You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Mission Field USA podcast. I am Reverend Dr. Steve Shave, Director of LCMS Church Planting. With me today, as always, is my co-host, the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, who serves as the manager for LCMS Church Planting. Hello, Mark. Hi, Stephen. I'm glad to be with you today. And today we have with us uh, kind of a recurrent guest, and we're uh, very thankful to have the Reverend Todd Kolbaum with us again today. Hello, Todd. Hello. Good to be with you guys again. Uh, It was exactly six months ago we recorded my last one. (laughs) Nice. Well, it's good to have you back. So Todd and I uh, do live in somewhat different worlds. I'm the city guy. He's more the country guy. But uh, there are some things that we have uh, worked together on, and one of those things is how do we do partnerships and how do we go through the partnership planning process? And so many of our inner city congregations are looking into ways that they can partner to strengthen their mission, and the same goes for our rural and small towns. But today we want to put it in a little bit different context. We're going to talk about this in terms of Obviously, this is a church planting podcast, but it's all about mission work, uh, new places to new people, and where partnerships make sense and working together towards the mission. So usually we were talking about the core group of people who are planting a new church, but this is also going to be a conversation today about existing congregations. We've multiple times talked about the importance of having mother congregations who will Uh, daughter congregations, but what about existing congregations and new means of mission work through partnerships? So to get the conversation started, there's four main areas uh, that I know Todd's going to walk us through today with our partnership planning process, and that is to reflect, to assess, to plan, and then to implement. So we're going to begin the conversation today with how we do some reflection on partnerships. What's the mission? What do we need to do? What is our time frame? Todd, walk us through what is the reflection part of the partnership planning process? Yeah, I think um, re- reflection is is a really a good place to start. I think a lot of people, especially if you get a, a gung ho core of folks that want to really dig in and and are really you know excited about doing missions, but just not sure how they're currently you know formulated are going to be able to carry that out. Maybe they're stymied by some things, you know, history and things like that. So it's good to reflect upon. What is it that we have in our area? What is the mission? Really, I think the mission of the church itself. Uh, it can be a really scary and daunting task to think about um, everything that lies in front of us and all these little things that we could be doing. So it's best, I think, to kind of broaden our horizon, not get bogged down in all the minutiae of activities that we can do, but really, really look at what is the mission of the church what is uh, what is the goal of our group here, whether it's an existing congregation or, or folks coming together to plant something? What is it that we have in front of us? So what's going to be our driving goal here? And, and then you can start to reflect upon where we've been and maybe what what is it that we'd like to change? What would we 
what would we kind of in a perfect world, what would we be able to modify, to change, to restructure in order to start to accomplish those mission goals? And, and I think that's a really good place to start because uh, so often we just kind of, you want to just dig in and get going, especially folks that are excited about doing missions. And I totally get that. But uh, you can get the cart before the horse really quickly and lose sight of where we really want to be and, and get, like I said, get bogged down in all the, the minutia of activities uh, where, and you can be very, very busy, but really not accomplish a whole lot. So this is, that's a good way to start, to start to, uh, to formulate that, that, uh, that plan. Yeah, I think that's great in terms of a starting place, especially if we're talking about replanting with multiple congregations, maybe, whether it is in the inner city, whether it is in a rural, small town setting, whatever it might be, but to put the mission at the focus. Because for existing congregations, I mean, I was at a congregation in the inner city that was nearly 150 years old. So much great tradition, so much heritage, beautiful property. The namesake uh, meant so much. It had so much meaning. But if you're going to do a partnership, there is always that give and take. There is sacrifice that's made. And I think it's important then to not focus on the building and the name and, you know, all the the necessary uh, things that go along with that in the heritage and tradition, but to say what is at the core of what we're trying to do here, and that is God's mission, and then center all the decisions and planning process around what is God's mission and how do we fit into that. So to do that, uh, Todd, we need to go from kind of that reflective period of what the mission is and what needs to change in the time frame and all the rest to really having a deep assessment of where you're at now. Talk to us about the assessment part of this. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that probably gets the most neglected in this process is really figuring out who we are currently. And, and it, again, regardless, so if you're a 150-year-old uh, inner city congregation with all this history, um, you know, it, and you, you made a great point. It's taken, there's 150 years of things that the Lord has been doing through his church there that um, that's a great history. So let's figure out where, you know, who are we, who have we been, but who are we now? And I think we can get bogged down again in all of the past and say, oh, look what we've done and kind of lose track of who we are currently and what does that really look like? I, there's a, a sense green acres are the place for me. I, uh, I, uh, I view things mostly in rural uh, settings, but I was uh, working with a congregation um, and, and it was so typical. You, you ask them to give you a snapshot of who they are. And typically that snapshot is 40 years old, uh, sometimes even older than that. And so you, then you start to pick it apart in a nice way and you realize, yeah, that's, that's this idyllic snapshot from decades past. But what's going on currently and not just within our, in our core here or in the congregation, but uh, also what's going on, who are those people that are around us? Maybe there's congregations around us. Maybe there's uh, resources and assets that we could be taking advantage of. But even more importantly is understanding then who is our community? To whom are we being sent to carry out this mission work? 
and having a, a good understanding of self and then a good understanding of the demographics, a good understanding of the community with whom we are going to do this mission work. And, and you have to have a good understanding of both of those before you can move forward or you're, you're just going to be shooting in the dark. Yeah, and one of the things that Mark and I discovered in a recent uh, study that we did on research with church planting, yes, it's good to have that kind of self-assessment, uh, self-evaluation, and use all the tools um, that are out there. But when you discover that you're at one stage or another stage, um, we discovered that you don't have to wait until some, you know, miraculous point of time where everything is lined up perfectly because for so many churches that are considering new mission work to new people groups, they think, well, we're not at the right place yet, but we'll get there and then we'll start thinking about mission. And what we discovered in the study was actually, if you want to get back to your prime, you know, you're talking about the the years before, decades before, and that's kind of what they're looking at. If they want to get back to that prime again, one of the best means to do that is through new mission work to new people groups and new places. And sometimes that does require these partnerships. But wherever you find yourself in that self-evaluation, what we discovered was that one of the best ways uh, to foster that you know health again in the congregation was through some sort of church planting, replanting, some new mission work uh, in the community that will help them to, again, get back to that prime. Does that make sense, Todd? That makes perfect sense. That's exactly what, uh, you know, while uh, I, I'm, you know, it's one of those studies that you're you're glad that the, the results uh, support what you've been thinking all along, because that's exactly right. It, most of our, most of our work in congregations, um, that we'll say either have plateaued or perhaps are, are in decline, uh, maybe are even in survival mode, depending on you know where they're at in, in their own life cycle. Um, most of them at some point in time became stagnant and they lost focus on the mission. And so they, they no longer reached out. They Instead, they've turned inward rather than outward. So making that move to that outward focus to, like you said, to that new people group. And, and there isn't a community. I don't care if you're, again, if you're in the city or you're in a very rural area, the community that you're in is different now than it was even a decade ago. And, and so you've got new people there, you've got new groups of people there, uh, and whether that's uh, ethnic missions or, uh, you know, just new folks that have moved in, um, there's always going to be a new audience, if you will, I put that in quotation marks, um, hmm. it's hard to do, you know, air quotes on podcasts, but, <laughs> um, uh, but there's always going to be a new group that you can look at. And, and, and that's, I think that's the beauty of that. The Lord is the, you know, when, when Jesus says, look, you know, the fields are ripe for harvest. They always are. They always are. We just need to open our eyes and see it. There you go. In this assessment process, is there some assets that congregations commonly miss, you know, as you've been working with them? Uh, as, as far, I think, um, 
the assets that would probably be the most commonly missed are well, boy, that's a that's a that's a deep question, Mark. Um, oh, sorry about we, that. <laughs> we could we could really go down rabbit holes here. I think um, two biggies as far as internally is congregations will often sell themselves short, so their people assets, uh, the 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 abilities and the uh, the the just the strengths that people bring to the table. Uh, they don't recognize as being, you know, they they think, well, I'm, you know, I'm no theologian. I've never taught Sunday school. I've never this. I've never that. You know, I'm just a fill in the blank. And they think they bring nothing to offer to the mission field when all of those things, all of their experience in history bring something to the to the table as far as doing missions as a as a congregation even as a group that's that's looking to plant all these various things bring bring uh, uh, great assets to the table then the other one is to think that their resources are scarce um, yes our resources are finite I would absolutely agree with that Um but we have an infinite God who is providing the resources. So yes, we have a finite number of resources in that we live in a sin-fallen finite world, but uh, we don't want to sell short uh, the resources that the Lord has given us to do the work that he's given us to do. And he's going to make sure that happens. I often ask uh, how many, uh, if I'm with a group of folks and I'm talking about assessments, I say, you know, okay, so let's look at... um, Weekly giving. How many of you view weekly giving as an asset? Well, most people say, no, it's not an asset because it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's still an asset. <laughs> and this is still a blessing. And let's view it that way. And let's start to rethink about things. And we start thinking it rather than rather than we're collecting money to keep the lights on. We are, we are using the resources the Lord has blessed us with in order to carry out the mission of the church. And, and I'm talking big picture church, not, not just the local congregation, you know, God's mission here. And, and so I think those are probably the two uh, misinformed views of assets anyway that, that are probably plagued the most people. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, you don't know until you actually talk about this process of what would it look like if we were able to combine forces with someone else? What if we joined forces? We took all of our assets together. And that's really what this conversation is about, is how could we do more together than we could separately? Well, and that's that's really the case, Steve. I think that's that's a you know great point because so if we – I would say this is nothing – um, nothing new. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what the apostolic church did. They shared resources. They helped one another. Uh, they always looked at, you know, Paul talks repeatedly about, you know, you, you send help to, to help these, the saints here and, and these saints, saints sent help to here and you're providing support to me. And, and uh, it's just what we did. And I think um, over time we, we got rather parochial and somewhat territorial about the gifts that the Lord has given us, and we 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 got more into hoarding mode than uh, uh, than mission mode, and and we we lost sight of how can we support one another. Just even just at at say like a circuit level, um, we don't think that way enough. 
let alone uh, you know looking at it from a broad mission missionary kind of uh, uh, aspect. So, yeah, when you think about it from the New Testament, uh, what you're describing, this happens quite a few times with partnerships. Actually, in the inner city, you have strong suburban congregations. Uh, and you have a really struggling inner city congregation because, you know, obviously things are more difficult uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of those urban communities. And so the suburban congregation looks and says, you know what, this harvest field is really ripe here. There's wonderful work to be done, um, but it's in an area that's impoverished. And obviously this is going to be a challenge. And so if we need to, um, we can we can join our forces together, if, even if one of the congregations needs to be the calling agent for a missionary to go and serve, we can do a replant. We can rebuild here in this community that we know is so desperately in need of the gospel. But that's really what it takes, Todd. As you said, it's that understanding that they had in the New Testament that, you know, this is where the mission field is. And rather than just kind of holding on to things for ourselves, we look at, well, what sacrifices need to be made for this mission field? Because this is a community that desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, if you are, you know, going to join forces, um, you know, a lot of those issues of assessment should be how do we best support this wonderful mission work that can happen in that community if we were to combine forces? Right. I've used the phrase an innumerable amount of times uh, when I've been out working with congregations, I, I often I try to foster the mindset, if it's good for the kingdom, it's good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's too often we get into that what's in it for me mentality. But mm-hmm. if I look at what, what's good for the kingdom, if it's good for the kingdom, it's good for me. And, and that's, that starts to change our thinking over to the possibilities for mission rather than uh, the sacrifice and how bad this is going to hurt. And it it doesn't matter how much it hurts because it doesn't hurt at all. If it's good for the kingdom, well then, Oh, cool. That's that's the thing with any kind of planting or mission process, you know, a mother and a daughter congregation, you know, we know what the sacrifices are for being a parent um, and you're in it for the long haul and you're willing to lay down just about anything for the sake of uh, your child. And, you know, that's that's the kind of commitment that it does take. Um, but once you've reached that level where you kind of understand your expectations, you've reflected upon it, you've done a really solid assessment uh, to understand what we're working with, um, then you're ready to dive in to building a, a strong ministry plan. So, Todd, take us through some of the parts and pieces to how we go about planning this partnership. Yeah. So once we have that clear understanding, then we can start to look at, okay, with whom are we, are we currently partnering? Do we have uh, maybe RSOs or other congregations, circuits, uh, groups of folks that we're partnering with already that would make sense, that just makes the most logical sense. We can kind of take this to the next level sort of partnership? uh, Or are we looking at a situation where uh, we might need to create some kind of new model? uh, And whether we're we're going to have to go it alone or logistically, if we have the opportunity to look around us and see what other assets are around us that we could uh, partner with, then therein lies the opportunity to start to create these models that make the most sense for where we're at. And and so this is the place where you can start dipping your toes into the water. 
what if we were to do this in this place? Uh, one of the, I was involved with, with some early talks and unfortunately took a call and moved away before it ever came to fruition. But um, early talks, we had some different partnerships going on. And then those partnerships uh, were actually discussing how can we then go out and plant in this new place where we had no presence. We had lots of presence in this clustered area, but we had no presence in a nearby community. And so how can we take that then and and Again, like you said earlier, how do we pool our assets and our resources so that we can look at planning the gospel in this other place? It's going to be a small commitment for this larger group, but it's going to be a huge uh, benefit to the place where we're looking. So what what makes the most sense to do that? Does it make sense for us to continue this partnership here, to continue the mission and ministry in this in this clustered area? But then, you know, do we call a new missionary to, to try to plant a church there? Do we use our existing folks to go over and start doing some canvassing and Bible studies and and things of that nature? What is the what is the model that makes the most sense? The beauty of the plan is the plan is never written in stone. If we start doing going down one direction and, and we're, we're communicating the plan, we're working this plan, and we find that the plan really isn't working, then we can, we can circle back and we can reevaluate the plan. Okay, this doesn't really seem to be uh, accomplishing what we had hoped it would. <laughs> what would another move make? You know, how, how can we modify what we're doing here? And so that's the, every, I think so often people decide this is the way we're going to do it. And this has worked in other places, so we're going to do it this way. And it, you can't, nothing is static like that. You can't be so rigid. Um, so I think that's the beauty of, of understanding a good plan is that it can be revisited and morphed and tweaked and all those, you know, adverbs and adjectives you'd like to do to it and and really make the most of managing that so that you're going to accomplish those mission goals that you had set out for in the first place. Yeah. And as you said, you know, models plural because the context is plural. The context mm -hmm. will be different. Who is involved is different. The community is different and the needs of the community are different. And so you need to plan according to who is in play here. Uh, what is the community like? And I was thinking about different models that we've seen through Mission Field USA, and, you know, it runs the gamut. So there, there have been times where we've worked with a congregation that was in the city, historically uh, was an Anglo congregation. Uh, demographics changed dramatically within the community and have seen kind of a complete flip from it was originally an Anglo congregation with kind of a small uh, outreach to Hispanics. And then all of a sudden the community is, you know, much more uh, Hispanic than it is uh, Anglo. And so they are willing to make the switch uh, from, you know, they used to have the the English uh, service and having things translated into Spanish, for example. And then that changes to it's primarily in Spanish. And then there's also ministry in English. So, that's a completely different context than you have multiple congregations. They're all struggling. They can no longer afford uh, to pay the pastor and the pastors are all retiring at the same time anyways. And no one can uh, 
pay for the utilities anymore for all these massive, uh, large, beautiful congregations that are there in the city. And so that would be a completely different context if it was a replant where they were all combining forces in one uh, campus. Or again, if it was something that was a suburban uh, surrounding an inner city community and they wanted to all come together uh, to work together, all those are much different plans. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You, 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 your, your point that all these situations are going to be different. It's going, it's all contextual, hmm. and so you might look at some existing models to get ideas, but that model is going to be shaped after what you're trying to accomplish in that particular place because the people are different, the assets are different, and and it has to make sense for the time that you're there or for the time that you're you're in and and the people to whom you are are ministering and that's that I think is is key because again we we can get so rigid that we think we need to stick with a certain model and and the model can change you can even find the model that we get started with is great for now but like you said as the population changes, we may need to morph that model a little bit. Like you said, you went from primarily uh, Anglo and English speaking to more Hispanic and, and Spanish speaking, and 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 being a, and having that part of the model is, if these changes take place, we want to be proactive. So if this happens, this is our response to that, and and building that into the to the plan. I think that's that it's a lot easier to be proactive than reactive. Right. Um, while I am a huge proponent of uh, of the saying it's easier to ask uh, forgiveness than permission um, it's also way easier to plan and be proactive than be reactive constantly uh, because you're then you're always behind the eight ball you're always trying to play catch up and that's that's a tough place to live and so Todd when you uh, see plans what makes a good plan jump off the page to you uh, I, I, the best plans are oftentimes the most simple, uh, where we where we try to get far too complex and, and think, um, f- if we try to be far too detailed, then that that's where it leads to a lot of rigidity, uh, where we think we need to dot every I and cross every T, but the plans that are the most simple, but yet consider what are my obstacles what are my uh, what are my resources? What are the assets? And how can we use best utilize what the Lord has given us here in this time and place uh, to overcome the obstacles and to reach out in doing the mission work that we we want to do? So one that addresses those factors, I think, is the best, and yet remains as simple as possible, uh, rather than particularly detailed. Very good. Yeah. And Todd, with that said, I would think that, you know, as we're thinking about Mission Field USA and multiple different kinds of contexts and joining together, especially for replanting, you know, where you're you're merging different groups together, no matter who the groups are, whether it's across ethnicities or, or just different communities, whatever it might be, I would imagine you have to have some planning in place for how to join into one body of Christ from a, you know, different set of 
people all coming together. And that's going to mean somebody's going to have to sacrifice something, you know, somebody's going to have to give up something. And, you know, there's going to be some tensions, I would imagine, because you're bringing different groups of people together then. Um, is, is that part of the planning process? I, I think, yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, because I, I, I don't know that we should necessarily view that as an obstacle, but a, pretend, a potential hurdle is getting different groups to meld together. But to understand that that sacrifice isn't a bad thing. Um, we were, you know, we, you and I were just talking uh, before the show about, you know, cows and you have two cow dogs. Um, <laughs> and, and the fact that you sacrifice sleep <laughs> when they want to get up and play at four in the morning or go out for your run, which you'd love to do. Um, you, it, but it's not a sacrifice because you enjoy having those, those pets. Uh, you know, we don't, we, we, we forego sleep and a great deal of money and a lot of hair, uh, at least in my case, when we have children. And, but yet that's a sacrifice we're willing to make because it's a good thing. And the same way with the, with the church, as we look at melding groups together, yes, people are going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, but, um, understanding number one, that, that, that's a that's a good thing, and hmm. and this is a sacrifice. While it may be a sacrifice, it's not. It shouldn't be a sacrifice that we that we loathe. We hmm. should embrace it and enjoy it. The other side of it is, um, uh, just having people do things that they are that they're in tune to do. So I, you know, my, my most extreme introverts aren't going to be the ones that are on the welcoming committee, you know, as we're trying to bring these two groups together, I'm going to get them, you know, doing what they enjoy. Maybe they like to be in the kitchen cooking. So they're in the kitchen cooking while I have my extroverts out, you know, doing the mingling to start and the welcoming. And so, you know, they're building the relationships. So down the road, when people start to feel more comfortable, the extroverts can start to introduce the the new the new people to the introverts and and you know do what makes sense naturally as opposed to trying to fit every square peg through that round hole uh, mm. because not everybody's cut from the same cloth and and that's okay that's a good thing and that's definitely what love does you know when you're talking about the tensions that are going to necessarily come from this love covers a multitude of sins our mm-hmm. love of god is going to continue to compel us to want to serve and his mission and just the loving of our neighbor. And, you know, because we uh, love Christ and Christ loves us and Christ loves the neighbor, that means that we are going to make those sacrifices lovingly because we care for the lost. We want to reach those uh, who are outside of the body of Christ. So um, certainly there will, will be tensions and we need to plan for these things. But ultimately, we do know that this is just what love does. Uh, yeah. Love forgives, love joins us together, and love compels us uh, to reach out uh, to our neighbors. That's exactly right. There's a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of things that uh, Kim and Angie have had to to withstand in order to continue to love us as the Lord has called them to do. And uh, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks be to God for that. Well, very good. So we've talked a little bit about uh, adjusting our expectations, how we partner, what models we're going to use. 
communicating this well. I mean, I don't think you can overstate the necessity of not only having the plan, but communicating with everybody and building the plan, sharing the plan. Um, you know, it's important, again, to plan and be willing to adjust. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't know how many times I've heard that, you know, we actually are really good at planning and meeting and talking, but it's the getting it done. (laughs) That seems to be, you know, what uh, holds us up quite often. So the last and probably most important part of it then is to implement the plan. So uh, Todd, talk to us a little bit more about the implementation side. Yeah, I think we we all are have like you said we're we're very good at at uh, at making plans. It's a little bit like um, there's a there's an old Seinfeld episode where Jerry goes to rent a vehicle, and they, his vehicle isn't there, and he's made this reservation for the to get this car, and the the clerk says, "Well, we don't have a car for you," and he says. But I made a reservation. She said, yes, we took your reservation. He said, so what I'm seeing is you're very good at taking reservations. You're just not very good at, at, do, at uh, you know, fulfilling the reservation. And, and that's what we like to do. We like to discuss these things and we'll discuss them ad nauseum. And, and we're, we're extremely good at tabling things. And, you know, we'll get to that next month. Uh, but at some point you need to, you need to, go more than just dipping your toes in the water. You need to wade in and, you know, pull your pant legs up and get in there. And then eventually you're diving in the whole way and and you're, you're, you're in the water and you're swimming. And I think that is a biggie. So it's just taking that then, okay, as part of your plan, these are going to be our implementation steps. So planning it out and literally having dates and, you know, the dates can be changed if it doesn't make sense after you get there. Um, but having dates and, and having accountability and having groups that are responsible for certain aspects of the plan and, and not laying all the responsibility on one person to carry out the entire plan, but instead spreading that out and then holding one another accountable for the implementation. Uh, because it's very easy for one of the wheels uh, to, to come to slip out a joint and then the whole thing wants to grind to a halt. But if we're if we're able to keep an eye on things, it, things won't fall apart too far. And, and so I think that's the biggie. Um, having that having that built in so that there's accountability and there's a timeline and, and to be generous with that as well. It's a good point. And, you know, as I'm thinking about from the beginning to the end of actually implementing a partnership plan, the first thing that came to mind as you're kind of describing it is, you know, don't wait. <laughs> you know, don't wait to the, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a bitter end. Um, you know, all the congregations out there right now, start thinking about it. Start planning for what are the potential partnerships where we can work in our community better? What is a better means for us to be about God's mission? Start right now thinking and planning for the future. Um, But then don't wait to do it. You know, it's kind of that Nike thing, just do it, you know? Um, Yeah. (laughs) let's, (laughs) Let's start thinking about it now. Let's make a solid assessment of where we're at. Let's build a plan and then let's implement it. I mean, I think that's really going to be important. And we, again, going back to that church planting uh, mission 
research study that we did, it was just, and I mentioned it in, the, in that uh, discussion of the actual research project, but it was just fascinating to me to look at the LCMS through some really difficult, challenging times. And when it came to partnerships and thinking about mission work, I would have never thought that during the Great Depression, the LCMS was even thinking about mission work here in the United States, among the lost here in the U.S., um, and looking at demographics and figuring out where people have shifted and moved throughout the Depression, or, you know, when it came to the different world wars that we went through, I would not have thought that the LCMS was planning for implementing, building partnerships to be about mission. When we went through the, you know, kind of Spanish flu was our, our COVID of the past, you know, I wouldn't have thought that the LCMS was saying, hey, we really need to get ahead of the curve here and we need to be thinking about how we can partner together for the sake of God's mission. But I'll tell you what, every single tragedy that we went through as a nation, the LCMS bounced back stronger than ever because they were already, even in the midst of these things, talking about planning for how can we work together as a church body, whether it's in our circuits, whether it's, you know, congregations that are considering uh, a new mission to a new location. Um, We were there and we were doing it. And I think I mentioned it before too, so much so that by the 1950s, we're on the cover of Time magazine because the mission of the Lutheran church was just booming. And again, it wasn't because things had turned around and everything was hunky-dory again. It was because even in the midst of tragedy, the LCMS was saying, there are a lot of hurting people right now. We've suffered a depression. We've gone into these world wars. We've gone through this Spanish flu. There are a lot of people who are lost. There are a lot of people who are hurting. And at the very outset, they're already talking about how do we partner together as a body of Christ the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to be about mission. And they did it. They implemented it. They didn't just plan it, but they made it happen. And so, Todd, that's why I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing with our districts to get congregations, circuits, and districts to really consider how can we do more together than us as individual organizations? How do we work together as the body of Christ uh, to be about the mission of God and to make it happen? But I think I appreciate that. And then the the same with you to be out there and encouraging folks to to get to work and uh, and and to do the it's not easy. It's hard work and it's not always very it's not always very thankful work either. Uh, There's there's a far little gratitude coming back at you uh, when you're when you're getting your you know, your feet in the muck. But, um, you know, that's such a great point. And I, I really, I wish more people would go and look back at that history. When you look back at, at the history of the LCMS and the things that we did, and so, like you said, in some of the times that seemed the least likely that we would, we would be making these plans, uh, that's exactly when the, you know, the Lord was pushing things forward as far as mission goes. And, and the idea of not waiting till the bitter end too, like you said before, you know, give ourselves permission to start to implement things as we move along. You mm-hmm. don't have to have the entire plan ready because, shoot, by the time we get the entire plan ready, it's going to be obsolete. It's like buying a computer. I can do all the research in the world I want on a brand new laptop, but by the time I buy that laptop, it's already obsolete. You know, 
I just can't afford the next one yet. So, but that's the, <laughs> and so we want to implement things as we go along because we're about doing the work of the church, not about doing the planning of the church. And so the, no, all, all the plans in the world don't amount to anything if you're not out there, uh, you know, with your feet on the ground. And that's, that's really an important point that you made there. Well, hey, and we have the rural guy with us, so you know better than <laughs> anybody. This is the LCMS Mission Field USA, and like you said, this is hard work. It's going to take a lot of plowing and plowing mm -hmm. and plowing and then sowing. I mean, just recklessly sowing the seed of the gospel, and then it's up to God. You know, if this was right. if this is the Lord of the harvest, we pray that the Lord of the harvest will continue to give us the workers that are going to be there. But, you know, our task is about the, you know, arduous work of plowing the soil. And that is the human heart and that we're out there planting and sowing the good seed that he has given to us. And he has passed down uh, from generation to generation in the word and sacrament. And so, it is not going to be easy. It is going to be a rough hoe. <laughs> For um, sure. <laughs> but we we leave it in the, the hands of God, you know, that uh, if, if we go about doing the plowing, if we go about uh, sowing the seed, we know that the Lord of the harvest will deliver and that his word will not go out void. So, you know, it's always good to have the rural guy here to help us to understand <laughs> these farming parables it's good to be in touch with our agrarian past and it's a <laughs> I, I i don't remember which um uh wealthy person said every generation further from the farm uh the the population gets a little uh i won't say what he actually said but um <laughs> we'll just say struggles with reality more um and that's uh you know but <laughs> understanding yeah it, it's hard work and and uh but it's it's good hard work. Yeah. It's fulfilling yeah. hard work. It's, you know, when you work for the Lord, it's never in vain. And that's yeah. the, that's the worthwhile part of it. Well, I can certainly say an urban mission, it is, it's gritty, it's yep. um, grimy, it's rough, uh, but there's no more satisfaction uh, than seeing a community uh, struggling uh, when you see people who are lost uh, to see you know, again, with the urban setting, it's it's all about, you know, the huge populace of people who need Jesus Christ. And so there's nothing more rewarding uh, than to be given the gift of going out and being able to serve in that mission field. So, yeah, um, yeah but hopefully this was uh, helpful uh, for folks. Todd, we really appreciate you walking us through this partnership planning process. Um, I'm sure people, if they have more questions, um, you are more than willing to help them uh, to put together uh, a plan and then to help them with the implementation as we are too in Mission Field USA. But uh, any any last minute thoughts, Todd, on how people can work together with you to, to make a plan? I think really just, yeah, be willing to reach out and be willing to ask for help. Uh, so often we, we are afraid to ask for help because we don't want to look like we're failing at what we've been called to do. Gosh, I don't know how many pastors struggle and, and church boards and elders 
they they struggle with with feelings of uh, of guilt and inadequacy and failure because all they had to do was ask because it's not easy and and you and I as much as as much as we uh, would like to have all the answers we don't have them but we are willing to walk along with people and discover as we move along and 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 let's help discover together because the Lord will provide uh, we just need to you know we just need to look and see what's there and uh and that's the biggie so just just be willing to ask and reach out you know i know uh the the resources that you guys have and the resources that we have we're always willing to to give them away and uh and and, you know help people with them so we we just want to get them out there amen amen and so yeah there's resources there's tools there's coaching mentoring all that but you know at the end of the day we're here to pray We'll pray with you yep. for your mission. You know, we we will walk alongside you and we will be in fervent prayer uh, for the work that you do and that God would bless your mission field and the work that you're doing. So thank you, uh, everyone, for listening to our podcast on partnership planning process. Uh, again, we here at Mission Field USA uh, want to encourage you uh, and continue to support the work that you're doing and to just remind you that we can do more together Uh, than we can do alone. So please work together with us in Mission Field USA. Thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.